0: Some people work in nine to five jobs. I am one of the lucky ones. Somehow I landed in the dream job. Welcome to Tales of a Luxury Yacht Chef. Hi, I'm Lisa Mead and for the past 27 years I've been working on luxury superyachts yachts in the Caribbean, the Mediterranean and my home turf of Australia. I've cooked for royalty, heads of state, celebrities and all walks of life. I'm going to be talking to crew, past charter guests and loads of people that are connected to the global yachting community. We're going to hear amazing fun stories and also lots of useful information and tips. So welcome aboard. I caught up with today's guest, Myri Cameron, at a high school reunion a few months ago. I'm in awe of all that she's achieved so far, and I cannot wait for you to hear about her journey so far. Good morning, Myri. How are you?
1: I'm very good. Sitting in my new apartment, moved in yesterday and
0: um, loving it already. (laughs) And whereabouts are you at the moment? I'm in Hamilton in Brisbane. Describe Hamilton for the, the world out there. Hamilton is about 10 minutes from um, the
1: CBD in Brisbane, um, and, you know, it's it's right on the river, um, the, the muddy brown Brisbane River, but still a <laughs> body of water, um, and it's a beautiful hill um, with a lot of very beautiful houses on it, so... I'm very lucky. I'm in a 1960s apartment tower. Wow. With, right up the Brisbane River to the Gateway Bridge and right up Hamilton Hill of all of the, the stunning houses. So, yeah, it's very special. It's a very special morning for me. And it's it's lovely to be in a new place and wake up to to rain as well. Yes, um, well, you you're going to have plenty of that. <laughs> plenty of that. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, Poor old Brisbane here in Australia right now, or the whole of Australia, East Coast, I guess, is is getting tor- torrential rain right now. Yeah, it's it's a bit scary. Mm. It is a bit. Yeah, we we'd like it to stop pretty soon. But I guess I should probably start from the very beginning and find out where you were born. Oh, well. This is a funny, funny one. And
1: I'm sorry. In a manger? To- I'm, what's that? In, in a manger. A- <laughs> <laughs> no. In <laughs> a town called Gimpy. Uh-huh. Which, um, you know, sorry to all of those from Gimpy, but I did return there about ten years ago and thought, wow, I'm so glad that I got out when I was six months <laughs> <years> old. <laughs> Guns.
0: What's Guns. Gimpy famous for?
1: Guns. Oh. You- drive into Gimpy, and there's a big billboard saying you know Pete's guns or Bill's guns and yeah it's it's that sort of town you know it's unremarkable except for there's a lot of guns in wow yeah so I'm um, glad that you know I um, made the move
0: in six months <laughs> <laughs> packed your bags and headed off <laughs> yes <laughs> so where, where did you go to next Darwin
1: yes my parents moved up to to Darwin, and I had my first 10 years up in the tropical north, um, amazing childhood. I have very vivid memories of uh, afternoon thunderstorms, pretty much bang on 3 o'clock just when we were walking home from school, um, and the, the gutters would just fill up with water, and you know, we'd be sliding down these sort of you know instant rivers and um you know completely soaking wet <laughs> lightning and you know a dramatic place to to grow up, really hot.
0: Did um, did you get those those skies that get that real greenness to them when when it's like a horrific storm? I don't
1: remember that. I just remember, you know, cracking thunderstorms and the this you know the the sound of of lightning. I, I remember sitting in m- my classroom um, one afternoon and lightning hitting the row of louvers and them all cracking. Really? God. <laughs> it was a dramatic place. And of course, well, we went through the, the Darwin cyclone as well.
0: So you um, were there for that?
1: We weren't there. We were on holidays in Brisbane, um, but we woke up on Christmas morning to to the news of of um of the cyclone and the devastation. So you know what we did go through was the aftermath. I think my father flew home a few days late later, just 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 have a look at that. You know the damage. But yeah, I remember sort of going back to the house and 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 you know it was flat, a pile of rubble. Oh my and god! What, you know, just it, it was as far as the eye could see, just rubble. And you'd find you know your old stuffed toy sort of in four blocks down, you know, yeah. it was just, I mean, as a kid, I don't know whether you take on board the trauma. I'm sure it was really traumatic for my parents, but yeah, um, for me, it was just sort of an adventure. Um, and the adventure continued because, you know, we had to work out <clears throat> where to live and uh, it was all, all very sort of temporary gypsy style accommodation for a long time. We were in caravans and the mountables at my father's work and staying in, you know, parts of people's houses that hadn't blown away. And so I went to a lot of different primary schools and, um, yeah, sort
0: of camped for a long time. You know, I I can vividly remember we were in Brisbane when that happened and my grandmother lived in Melbourne. So we were out at the airport. Waiting to pick her up, hmm. and coming in from Darwin were, you know, families and kids that you know were in dire situations from the cyclone. And it was it was it close to Christmas when it happened. Yes, it was Christmas morning. Christmas it was, morning, it yeah. Was Christmas Eve that that the, the cyclone, and
1: then so Christmas morning is when we woke up to the news <sighs> that there was there
0: wasn't much left of our house. Yeah. God. I just I, I remember as a kid feeling so sorry for all the kids that had lost all their toys. Yeah. <laughs> that was what stuck with me, you know. Forget the fact the house is gone and everything else. What about their toys? I
1: know. I remember finding <laughs> their toys all over the place. It was like, oh, I don't think that toy is really gonna have survived this
0: it's <laughs> I and It was amazing. It was amazing. Oh God. Yeah. So you, My- you- your parents obviously decided to, I'm guessing, move on from Darwin? My dad, I think, was transferred. Oh, okay.
1: To Brisbane. And most of our, um, most on my dad's and mum's side, particularly mum's side um, family, were in Brisbane. So it seemed a natural sort of move. Um, that was when I was about 10 we moved to Brisbane and I did my last year of primary school in at The
0: Gap. Ah, and then then headed on to the Gap High. I where I met you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) The fabulous Gap High School. (laughs) Yes. Where we got to wear lovely green dresses that have now gone, thank God. (laughs) That was cruel, that uniform.
1: I felt Mm. like a frog. It was frog green with bell sleeves and no waistline. No. No. What a good good looking uniform and you uni- know un- you wearing a uniform was a shock to me as a Darwin girl as well. We we didn't wear a lot of clothes at all up there. It was too hot. So it was a lot of, you know, very, very um simple little dresses and sarongs and oh wow. Barely any shoes, you know. Um so yeah to suddenly have to put a
0: uniform on was a bit of a shock. It would have been for sure. When when you were younger, what 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 did you think you wanted to do as an adult? Yeah, that's a
1: that is an interesting question. I, I wasn't one of those kids, you know. I'm not going to say, oh yeah, well, I was making Super Eight films when I was two years <laughs> old. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to grow up. I mean, that's my immediate response to that question. <laughs> I did not want to grow up. It sort of terrified me being an adult. Yes. Yeah, but I was a dancer, and I think you know that that was a bit of a dream I think to 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 continue down that path and be a dancer but I'm sort of I think my I'm too big boned you know I don't think I had the right physique for that. Were you um, doing
0: classical ballet or what type of dancing? Yeah I was doing classical ballet and I loved it but I think and then it was high school
1: when I got um, glandular fever um and it sort of really knocked me around. I had to have, you know, a month off school. And then when by the time I went back to ballet, it was like I'd just lost, I'd lost my strength. And yeah, that was sort of that was sort of the end of it. Mm. Um, I think I knew that I wanted to do something artistic or creative. I, I think that was in me. Um and it took me a long time to
0: to work it out, but I did work it out eventually. Yeah, and I, I mean the process—that's part of the fun of of discovering what it is you want to do. You know, along the way, maybe you, everything isn't exactly as planned, but it gets you to hopefully where you you want to be in the end. It actually, does I mean it's yeah, it's interesting how it works out. I wanted to be a movie star. That hasn't quite worked out just yet, but oh, not but giving up. No. I think- <laughs>
1: You. I see this for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> so you finished high school. What what did you do after that?
1: Um, I, well, I was whisked off to Greece on a three-month exchange student program, which nice. was based in Athens. And Good. It was with a gorgeous family. And um, it was one of these exchange programs where they went, when we arrived, I'm sorry, we, because you're only here for three months, we can't really enrol you in school. And I was like, "That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to wander around and be 16 in Athens on my own." Wow. So, but what that did was it gave me a kind of travel bug, I think, um, which has not been as fulfilled. You know, I've I've, I've tried. I've been a bit of a traveller, but but I would have liked to have done more travel. But, yeah, I really came back to to Brisbane um, and thought, look, that's. I just want to do something that gets me travelling. So I did start uni and I did a year of it and I was doing journalism, which didn't feel right for me at all. Mm. And I was kind of more interested in nightclubs and <laughs> <laughs> dressing up and going out all night to some fabulous club. But... Um, <laughs> I got, got through a year of uni, but then I ended up um, – uh, one of the, the girls in my course was a model, and she approached me at the end of – I'd done a presentation in class, and she said, you know you could be a model, and I was like, no way. <laughs> no, 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 no,
0: no, I couldn't. Um, well, just anyway. quietly, Myri, all of all of us at school thought you, you were model material. We may not have said it to you, but we certainly thought it.
1: Oh, well, that's lovely. Well, I didn't think I was model material. <laughs> um but um I dragged I thought ooh money traveling this sounds like something I'm just going to give it a go. Um and I did and I, I I I I ended up modeling for about 8 years. Oh wow. Yeah, it was quite a big big journey. I I wasn't I wasn't actually that good a model. I I why gonna, is that? I'm not comfortable being looked at, really.
0: Oh, yeah, great think, choice of career then.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a problem. You know, it's it's um I love clothes. Mm. Know, and I loved, um I I quite loved catwalk shows where at least you had audience members to look at and interact with. But I think I think, you know, being in front of a camera I find really terrifying. I still do. I really when I found you know, the stepping back behind the camera was such a relief to me. It was yeah. And I, I love photographing other people's beauty. You know, that's I'm I'm into I'm into that rather than yeah, just being just, the center
0: I, of attention isn't yeah. your cup of tea.
1: It's not it's not comfort zone for me at all. But you know, it, it felt like an easy thing to do and an easy way to make money. And so I did it for eight years while I sort of worked out what else. I might do. I mean, it's, it was an interesting thing, though. You know, I had a very feminist mother, so to enter that industry, you know, I felt very um, strong in myself in a way. I was that girl who was sort of rounding up the other girls in the, you know, behind the scenes and saying, "Don't listen to them if they've told you you've got to lose weight. It's outrageous." Good you know, for was, you. Yeah, I was very much that girl. But it's funny because after eight years of, you know, going to to castings and being lined up in a row and told to show us your thighs or you know um, turn around or you know or just you know they, they take one look at you and say thank you goodbye. It's it actually does actually get under your skin. Oh so god, I was, yeah. I was quite broken by the end of it, even though I'd sort of brought this feminist armour to it all. I it did it did um, it got to you. It got to me, yeah. So I had to. I, you know I mean maybe it's 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 still got to name in a way I think that idea of well as 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 aging you know there's a challenge for us all yes, <laughs> you know to have to be sort of valued based on what you look like um is it's problematic it's and problematic. and
0: more so for women obviously than men men can look like whatever and they're still respect and admired whereas we have a shelf life.
1: Yeah, that's right, exactly. And you know, I'd hit my shelf life as a model at 25. I was I was doing target catalogs and strapping on pregnant bellies at Westfield shopping centers and <laughs> walking up. You know what I mean? It was sort of like the glamour. Oh. I was old model. God, at, at 25, five, that's ridiculous. 25, I know. So Jeez. it was yeah. so I'm glad I sort of jumped when
0: I did. It was time. So you 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 you've got, had this successful career in in modelling, and how do you then step into the world of being a, a director? Yeah, well, I what
1: occurred to me eight years into this modelling career was that I had a year of credit at QET and that I was going to lose it unless I finished that degree. So I thought, well, you know, um, I ha- in my in this eight years, I haven't you know been discovered as an actor or, you know, taking up painting or whatever it is I thought I might end up doing. So I better just go back to university, you know, and, mm. and get a degree, get get an education. Um, and it was very much an expectation my family that that's what what you did, um, even though my brother, sister and I sort of all <laughs> rejected that in a way. <laughs> um, but I went back to QUT and um, by then there was an, a major there was a film and TV major, which hadn't existed when I first started that degree. Mm. So, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I mean, you know, that sort of vaguely familiar terrain. Maybe I'll, you know, be a um, a makeup artist or I will, yeah, be some kind of producer's assistant or I, I just didn't know. Mm. Uh, but I, So I started and within a month I was directing a little doco and because, I mean, you know, because I was 25 and everyone else in the course was 18, mm. so lead, you know, taking a leadership role was very automatic and natural and didn't feel scary. It just, well, it felt scary, but it, it, it just, I naturally
0: gravitated to it because they were all 18. <laughs> um, and, and that experience, you suddenly had a light bulb moment where you thought this this could be it. I absolutely had a
1: light bulb moment. I absolutely, you know, I, I thought I was just, you know, ticking the box, get a degree, but I actually, I actually, um, yeah, I, I, um, discovered, you know, uh, it was a moment of, of realizing this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I am obsessed with it. I am never going to get bored with it. It just feels, um, so hard, but so interesting. Um, yeah, it was it was a, a really amazing moment of. I sort of feel like it was a moment of where I sort of woke up and and switched. You know, I, I switched on. I sort of started to really engage with my life. I I think about my modeling years as kind of being walking around half asleep. Mm. But it, okay, now I've really I uh, um I've got something that I really want. Um, so you found your passion passion and and a reason you know to um get up and work hard and yeah it was a really exciting time so I may I directed a couple of films in that undergraduate degree that you know traveled Australia and got lots of awards wow yeah so it was really I also was affirmed you know in that choice as well I got you know that my little films did quite well so and then and then I, then I left QT and was like, okay, what do you do now? And um, went and literally swept the floor of the studios down at the Gold Coast yeah. um, <laughs> for a really, really bad um, uh, soapy called Pacific Drive where, you know, all of the graduates from QT, <laughs> you know, all my film friends, that's right, you know, who are still sort of part of the sort of Brisbane film fa- family. I met them all down there. Um but I so I was I was working in the art department. But I, after about six months of that, I thought, oh look, this is a pathway that's for sure. Mm. But I think I want to go and study more because I just want to keep making films. I want to I, I want to keep exploring directing. And I thought maybe if I went to the National Film School, which is called the Australian Film Television Radio School. Mm continue that journey and really sort of just start to discover my own directorial voice a bit more. And so that's exactly what happened. I got into AFTRS and spent three years um, continuing my studies, but this time really focusing just on directing.
0: Now, as, as a director, when you're studying, are you also learning acting skills because you've got to direct actors, so surely you have to have an understanding of acting yourself. Yeah,
1: I mean, I wouldn't say we're learning acting skills, but I'd say we're learning about the language um, of actors and <clears throat> understanding enough of how they work and 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 function in order to be able to help them and support them in in um, you know sort of creating authentic and interesting and compelling performances. Um, so. I think, you know, I think I still don't understand actors. Um, I love I think that directing actors is the favourite part of my job. Um, I find it such a mysterious, beautiful process. And I love, I'm teaching a master's unit in directing actors at the moment, specifically actors. And I just find it really inspiring because you bring so much of yourself to it,
0: but there's a real craft as well. There must be times when things just click with the actor. There's actors that you're working with where it's easy and they're getting you, you're getting them, and it's just working super well. But there must be times too when for whatever reason that's not quite working out. How do you get around that? Plodding along until you get the connection.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, and, and it's true that sometimes you don't
0: connect with an actor. I mean, mostly you do though because
1: that's what actors are good at. They're they they're available. They're open. They're, um, um, they're passionate about what they do. They, you know, it's 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 almost part of their genetic makeup is that they want to please you as the director. Mm. You know, they're resisting you. You know, um, you are the the set of eyes and ears, and you know, you're you're there with them um watching the split or watching watching them um do a take and uh, i know even actors that that resist they, they'll still look to you and you 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 know they they want that affirmation because i think you know every time we call action an actor dives in to the moment you know tr- this is, these are these are good actors of course there's there's actors who are still learning and and learning to to be present in the moment, but it's a diving in, it's a diving off a cliff into the unknown every time they do that, and and yet they are still connecting and uh, revealing parts of themselves. You can't really pretend, you know, in act, acting as being.
0: Well, the um, public's going to see right through that. You're almost like a therapist in a way, aren't you? Because you've got to draw out these real emotions, whatever they might be, from the actor oh yes definitely a therapist definitely a mother
1: definitely a sister definitely a teacher definitely a friend definitely an ally you know a collaborator it's um it's all of those things and you know i love that about it i i think it's a real
0: it's a really intimate relationship actually because you don't it must be emotionally draining for you at the end of a shoot because you're as you're not the one bringing out the emotions, but you're trying to get that. So in a way, that that energy is being drained from you as well.
1: Yeah, you have to be there with them. You know, you ha- you have to to a, a a um woman that I went to film school with actually, who's a, a really successful director. So as the director, you've got to be prepared to go first, and I like that. It's like mm. you've got to be prepared to reveal as much as they are, not on camera, but of yourself in that in that in that communication. It all sounds very um, <laughs> I don't know esoteric or something. Not <laughs> a, that's not the word, but I, I can't think of the word it's Sunday morning. Um, but it, it, there's a very practical side to it as well, you know. I right. Mean, with very good actors. They don't need, you've cast them or the producers have cast them because they're very good actors and they will bring it. They will yep. bring you know, something uh, something wonderful. And sometimes it's just about, hey, um, why don't you start at that door? Because <clears throat> if you think about the scene before, you'd you, you come home from whatever, you know, so it's setting the scene, reminding them of where we are in the movie <clears throat> and, you um, you know, quite quite practical sort of advice, or ideas mm. about blocking in the space, or you know, making sure that that um, the camera will be able to to capture the, their beautiful performance. So yeah, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of um, just just technical and um, practical
0: help that you give an actor. So, the, I mean, there are so many parts to the puzzle for you as the director. Like you said, you, you're you setting a scene not just with actors but where they are obviously standing, you know, what's going on in the scene. There's so many parts to it. Yeah. I mean, it's and that's what I love about
1: it too. There's a, There's an alchemy, you know, when it comes together and <clears throat> I don't really know quite how that happens other than I suppose pre-production is a time for me where I kind of, I feel like that's where I dream it. I dream it in my mind. Mm. You know, it's, it's, just from reading the script, I often listen to a lot of music um, in, to sort of start to build a, a vision, you know, from uh, I think music emotionally can help me emotionally connect. Right. To a scene. It won't necessarily be the music that I use in the final product, but it's just music that I feel connects me to the,
0: um, the emotional life of whatever it is. Yeah, music's um, very powerful in that way for sure. Really be- with, before the, the actual films, you, you've done uh, TV ads and you've also uh, filmed music videos with uh, top Australian music artists. Can you tell us a bit about those two things?
1: Yeah, well, television commercials have been there as a bit of sort of it's just a you know um, extra little thing on the side. I'm really I'm really um, a drama director, I think, but TVCs are wonderful because you just um, you know there's there's much more money per second on screen than there is in anything else you'll ever do. So you get to to play and create visual magic. It's really about visual compelling visuals. Um and I recently did a uh, co-directed with Stephen Lance a um Gold Coast Tourism ad, which was a lot of fun because they were oh, they, wow. yeah, they were brave enough to say, okay, it doesn't just have to be shots of destinations. We want to do Gold Coast the musical. Uh, <laughs> musical sequence of a sort of family traveling through all these iconic um Gold Coast locations. In little odd little dance routines, so it was really fun.
0: And wow, that's very open of them to to go in that direction. Yes, it is. It was it was brave for a tourism ad. I did one for Brisbane too, just before COVID, and that was that
1: was a bit sad because we put a lot of love into that. Um, but then
0: COVID hit, and it felt very inappropriate. To in- <laughs> yeah, come come to Brisbane in in whenever <laughs> years from but, now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the yeah. music videos how did how did that come to pass? Yeah, well that that
1: that is also something. It's, I think music videos are a bit of a sort of rite of passage for you know newer directors. It's it's a way of building <clears throat> uh, content on your reel that really represents you, I suppose, more than an ad. Because when a music artist comes to you, um, they are bringing you the song and very much the vision you know, it comes out of your head. Yes. Or the one who sort of dreams it up. So it feels personal. It feels like, okay, this is a little bit of me. Um, and the the I've been very lucky. I've worked with <clears throat> really lovely artists who have been very trusting and open. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would still make music videos if I could afford to, but the, the budgets are so low they've just dropped and dropped. Uh. I mean, even when they were slightly bigger budgets, when I was making music videos, we'd still—you wouldn't make a cent, you know. It's—it's it's, you do it as a—it's a, a little—it's a little labor of love and um, a little vision that that you know you become obsessed with, and yeah.
0: So, any I, that stand out from a creative point of view from back in the days that you just think, oh, that was—I'm really proud of how that turned out. I'm really proud of Sunday Best
1: that I did with an artist called Meg Washington, who came to um, my uh, working in a um, co-directing partnership with with um, Stephen Lance, and she came to us and said, "I love what you two do together, and I I want to work with you." And she would always come with the seed of an idea, a visual idea. Mm-hmm and I can't remember what Sunday Best, what the idea was for that one, but there'd be one inspiration point and then she'd let us go and it was, like, just a really l- wonderful um, collaboration. Oh, um, wow. She's a beautiful artist and a, and a, you know, wonderful human being and and she can dance and she can, she can um, yeah, she can do it all. So she was a great sort of muse in a way. Mm. But Sunday Best was great. We just... Um, you know watched Goddard and french new wave cinema for you know a week
0: and then pitched a kind of mashup of <laughs> oh, that sounds really impressive i'm going to have to youtube that now to have a look at it yeah it was it was really
1: fun it was really fun and it's been a it was it was an interesting it, well it won us the triple j award for best music video of the year wow that was, that was nice that was nice but it also um uh, Jim Sharman, the director of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, wow, to, to us after that, and he, said, he saw it on Rage at two in the morning. Ah. He said, oh, you've used the the you know the dance routine from Band Apart, which is a a, a French film, um, for your what for your opening sequence, and that was my inspiration for the Time War. Are you serious? And I'm coming to Brisbane. I'd love to meet you. Wow. Jim has become a friend through through that music video. Um, it's
0: incredible. You
1: know, it's funny, isn't it? If you yeah. look closely, you can see it too.
0: But Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yes, that's the beauty of of uh, that genre for sure. Now, you were talking earlier about doing short films. I know that um, you created a film, Milk, that was selected for the official competition at Cannes won prizes at Palm Spring and Bilbao and was pre-selected for an Academy Award. Firstly, that's incredible. Wow. Can you tell us about the film and did you get to go to any of these events and what was that experience like?
1: Yes, that experience was pretty fabulous. Yeah. Um, Especially after I think it was about six years of study um, by the time because this was my graduation film from AFTRS. Wow. Yeah, and I was a bit depressed after i finished film school because i thought oh i don't know what to do now i don't really know how to navigate this industry um i've made a sort of okay grad film you know it's maybe someone will like it but and then i got a phone call saying well you've been selected for can that and is incredible yeah, and we're going to send you and i thought wow this is this is really good and what am i going to wear <laughs> <laughs>
0: now well, are you are you one of those people where you know the designers come to you and say here's a selection of outfits what would you like <laughs> well I'm not that person but <laughs> my friend Tracy Robertson of hoodlum
1: is that person who got on the phone and said I'm getting you a whole suitcase full of fabulous frocks Mary and she did oh. and Lisa ho and Colette Digan had <gasps> yes yeah, so and you know it was it was sort of cinderella stuff because i had been you know you can imagine the wardrobe after six years of studying yes i had had no money and terrible clothes so um yeah so i off i went with my suitcase of fabulous clothes um to Cannes, and that that film kept taking me back to france funnily enough that i went to three different festivals in france wow a year or two um So, and it did, yeah. Bill Bow, I would have loved to have gone to Bill Bow and Palm Springs, but yeah, there's a limit to how many times you can jump on a plane. And yeah. Well, basically, I had to be funded to go. So, because I didn't have any money. Right. (laughs) um, Post film school. So, yeah. But no, Cannes was wonderful and was a really good sort of um, um, antidote to, to, you know, six years of hard work and study. But um it was also a good wake-up call because, you know, because when you're in competition in Cannes, even if it's a short film, it does open a lot of doors. So we had a lot of meetings with really, you know, big sales agents and um, uh, distributors and and pitched a project that was that we'd sort of dreamed up on the on the flight over. There's a, a group of us that were involved in in milk, the short film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the message was loud and clear. It's like, well, that's great. That's a fantastic film. Who will be directing it, do you think? And I was like, me? <laughs> like, no, no, because you're a short film director. You know, you need to make a, you know, a little feature film first. This was a big, you know, Hollywood $50 million film. Wow. Um. And so I really realised, um, yeah, th- that I had to sort of be smart about, what I developed next and, you know, that, yeah, something that was within my capabilities and, yeah, um, experience as a director. So, yeah, so came home going, okay, all right, I think I understand a bit more about the industry now and started developing other projects.
0: Speaking of other projects, how, is, when did the second come into your life? Yeah, so the second came into my
1: life pretty much you know, um, after those couple of trips to France and, and thinking I need to develop an idea that is, you know, two or three actors, one location, and what might that be? And I met a writer who was... Had been a um, a critic, and uh, he'd been you know in the industry, but in different different aspect of it, and was keen to to start writing. And so we worked together for um, a number of years on it, and then it went away. It didn't go anywhere. Um, I think it was you know I remember pitching it and and having <clears throat> funding bodies say things like, "Yeah, don't know. No one's really interested in female friendship films." You know, it's not, I, I don't think it was. Who is nobody that's not interested? Well, that's about what about the I, females? <laughs> I know, it were the females who told me. And I seriously I fell off my chair, to be honest. I was oh. shocked. But anyway, so the project went away <clears throat> for a while. And when, I, you know, they just go into a drawer and you think, well, it's sitting there. And then a couple of years later, by then I was sort of very um, involved in <clears throat> academic leadership and uh, teaching at various um, colleges and unis Um, but an initiative a Stan and Screen Queensland fully funded feature initiative they wanted ideas that you you could make for a million dollars and I thought here it is bring it back out open that drawer up here it is There it is! Wow! Yeah. So we went through went through that process of being sort of pre selected, and then we went through a lab with some um, sort of indie American producers who who you know mentored us through the development of, of completely gra- um, ground up rewrite, um, and yes, and then got selected out of the four projects that had been developed to to um, to uh, go ahead and make the film. Describe the. The plot a little bit for the second. The second is about a writer who's returned to um, the isolated country mansion where she grew up to um, <clears throat> after this after a very successful first novel to write her second novel. And she's traveling with her publisher, who is also her lover. And he's kind of, you know, cracking the whip on it. He needs the second book. Um, while she's there, a, a, a friend from her childhood, her best friend from her childhood, turns up sort of mysteriously out of the blue, and <clears throat> starts to uh, stake a claim on the first novel. So it's it's about authorship. It's about um, it's about you know, are we do, do we are we stealing the lives of others? Is is this an okay thing to do as a storyteller? Um, it's about female friendship. It's about um, rivalries, competition, and it's about, for me, finding finding a voice, finding a voice, <clears throat> being being able to tell our stories in whatever way, whatever form that takes. So it's you know, I mean, the inspiration was you know, three characters in one location. <laughs> that
0: was right. <laughs> I very pragmatic. It, it is an excellent film. I've been lucky enough to see it on stand that, as you mentioned, for those out beyond Australia, is there a way for them to see this film? Yeah, that's a good question, and I should, really should know that, shouldn't I? But <laughs> no, we don't.
1: We don't. I mean, it did get it did sell in America um, a while ago, I think, to a streaming platform.
0: But yeah, isn't it amazing? Maybe just Google the title and see where it comes up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it has sold. Like it has sold to various territories. Yeah. But without big sort of sales, you know, um after the release. So 2019, it was sort of getting out into the world. And um <clears throat> to be honest, it didn't sell as well as we'd hoped because of because we went on to onto Stan. And and it was a, it was the first of a, of a of its kind in terms of the the um the funding and distribution in in terms of going you know to a very quick streaming release after only a, a two weeks uh theatrical window that was mm. a very model and no one really knew what would happen with it but it's it I think being on a streaming it's been wonderful and I'm so grateful to Stan because I think people have seen my film and and there's a lot of indie uh Australian films that no one has seen or heard of and I think people have you know well, some people have heard of my film and and I can say turn on Stan and there it is exactly so, but it did it did thwart I think international international sales but it doesn't matter you know I made a film and I made a film yeah
0: that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny, you know. I, I, this is going to be a weird <laughs> correlation here, but <laughs> women directors, I almost see as being like uh, women, female skippers, captains in my industry, which mm-hmm. is very male dominated, and for for women to become captains of luxury super yachts, it's even to this day is ridiculously hard. They can have more licenses and tickets under their belt than the guys they're competing against. But because it's in our industry, a lot of the people that own these boats are old rich male men that don't think women are capable of being captains of a boat. How is the industry when it looks at women doing what you're doing, is it a bit fairer these days or is it still male dominated? Um, When we look at the stats, you know, just for
1: example, on you know how many Australian TV shows are directed by women. It's not good. So mm. there's a lot of initiatives um, um, going on to sort of um, uh, you know address that imbalance. But I would say that in terms of me walking onto a set and um, um, being respected by a crew that that is, is often you know predominantly male there's no problem they they've they've all got the memo and they're wonderful and i feel very supported i feel very taken seriously by you know uh, my male collaborators i think it's an era for women we're we're we're, we're putting energy into bringing women up yeah I, so i think i think it's a good time to be a female director actually but i think it was a hard journey because i went through an era, you know. I mean, I remember being told, even back at QUT when I first did my undergraduate film degree, by a male lecturer, "You're too emotionally unstable to be a director."
0: Oh God!
1: And, and I'm not emotionally unstable at all. I'm really, really not that. I'm other things that are problematic, but I'm not emotionally <laughs> unstable. I, it didn't even make sense. But that was his feedback for me after, you know, um, uh, making a, a grad film and that had that had travelled around Australia um that was the feedback you, you know um so yeah i've had all of that you know and that's that's just one example of it there are numerous but i think the biggest challenge as a woman is not really having um female role models mm. so, directing always looked very male to me and i was always i was always trying to be more like how i saw men do it Mm -hmm. they walk in it's all in their head they're the boss they're in charge they're telling everyone what to do they're you know and I'm not like that Mm -hmm. you know I always thought that was a weakness but I've come to realize and I think the whole industry is realizing as well that it's all about collaboration it's all about um letting things evolve inspiring others to bring the best out in them. That's what I think I do best is, is, you know, bring out the best in the people that I'm working with. Absolutely.
0: You know, know, as as you're talking, I'm thinking of um, a woman that comes to mind and she's actually an actress, Reese Witherspoon, who very cleverly has that uh, book uh, website that she then transfers into productions of movies yeah. Seems more actors are going, female actors are going into that field of having their own production houses. Is that something that you would consider doing down the road, or or you well, are now? I already sort of have that, you, you know, right? In an unofficial sense, in that um,
1: I've got a slate of projects that I'm developing. You know, that's so, so cool. Yes, yes. You sort of have to do that as a director because, yeah. you know, and, and you know, maybe you know. I mean, it started to happen for me that the phone might ring, you know, and I get offers. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, we spend a lot of time developing
0: our own projects as directors. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. How, how are Australian films perceived globally these days?
1: I don't know, Lisa. You're the one who's yachting around <laughs> <laughs> the world. What do you think well, I, I
0: can tell you everyone's watched Crocodile Dundee overseas. <laughs> yes, <I bet. laughs>
1: That's depressing, isn't it?
0: No. they. I, I do get lots of feedback from obviously most of my clients, three-quarters of them are American, and they have seen – Lots of movies, and it surprises me what they've seen. A lot of people, Americans, have actually seen Rabbit Proof Fence, and you know films that aren't big blockbusters, but they know of them and and they've watched them. And I think part of that also comes from the streaming platforms where they get to see them now there too. Um, but they 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 love them. They yeah. think they're amazing.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you know I always think that. Um it's really important for us as Australian filmmakers tell stories that are really uniquely Australian and bring our own perspectives and somehow try and remove, you know, the idea of what a film looks like or feels like, you know, based on, you know, most of us grew up watching a lot of American and Hollywood films. I think what we don't want to be is a poor imitation because the bottom line is we're we're a smaller country. We don't have the audiences to warrant really big budgets, mm. we, have to, we, have to, we have to tell stories that are, that are different, that are uniquely ours. And I think, I mean, that can be many things. That doesn't look like one thing or another thing because we're a very diverse country, obviously. Mm. But, yeah, I think, I and I think they're the stories that, well, it's theoretical in a way because I don't know what is being watched <clears throat> out there, but I think the stories that, are unique and idiosyncratic and specific tend to actually cut through at a universal level. Do you know what I mean? Rather absolutely broad brush strokes. Um doesn't appeal to anyone much, you know, or it's yeah.
0: So yeah. Who inspires you in the uh Australian director industry? Yeah, well I've I mean I've always
1: loved Jane Campion. Mm-hmm. Loved her short films through to you know features. Um uh she's she's an absolute, she's been a role model from the beginning. Um, but yeah, I mean there's really interesting new voices coming up at the moment. Um <clears throat> but someone who's not such a new voice, but I think is an extraordinary talent is Justin Kurzell, who did <clears throat> Snowtown, very, very difficult film, but It just—I just just think he's—he's a a remarkable talent. More recently, he did *Nitram*, the story of Martin Bryant. Ah, that one. Um, But it's told in such a personal way. He's—he's, you know, we get to really understand that man and his family and how that terrible. Massacre happened, you know. Yeah. It's, it's brave filmmaking, it's challenging filmmaking, and it's really, really beautiful cinematic filmmaking. Um, amazing performances. Yeah. So he's he's also a director that I really
0: admire. I'm gonna to have to check these films out now. I as an artist, I'm drawn to visual directorship and a big favorite of mine is Peter Greenaway. Oh, um yeah. I I love all his films, and I guess in some weird kind of way, something in Baz Luhrmann's movies makes me see some sort of correlation between Greenaway, and maybe it's the rapid editing or the color or something. But I, yeah, they're both very designed. Yes, that appeals to me. I really enjoy that part of the films, but. I think I think uh, yeah, Baz is definitely up there as being one of my favourite Australian directors. Yes, I mean he's amazing. Um,
1: Elvis, I, I I really loved Elvis. Wasn't I mean,
0: it amazing? Yeah, yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, I I got to a point in that watching that film where I I forgot that there was an actor playing the role of Elvis, and he he just truly was that person to me. Absolutely, and I got to that point
1: where I thought. I am actually an Elvis fan now. You know, <laughs> I wasn't, it's, but I wasn't, I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a true fan. Yeah. I, I, oh, wow. Okay. I get it. I get Elvis fever now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good job, that 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 um, actor. Yeah, and Austin I, Butler. And I'd, I'd never even heard of him before that, but, uh, yeah, he certainly stood out in this role, that's for sure. He did. He did.
1: It's just wonderful sort of um, uh, interpretation of, so, and that, I think that's why it worked because it wasn't, you know, just um, uh, imitation, It wasn't just imitation. It was. It was. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah. And inspired by, which made us, I think, able to connect with. You know, I think when you're trying to imitate, you know, it's um, we get lost in. Okay, that's. That's accurate. That's not accurate. Right. Not that the collar on the jumpsuit wouldn't have been that high, but instead it's 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 an interpretation of which, which modernizes him in a way like the costumes. were. Yeah. Catherine Martin's costumes were superb. I thought, God, she's
0: incredible.
1: Just with a twist on it to to to
0: modernize it and to um, yeah, make it cool now. Exactly, yeah. Now, it would be interesting to see how that goes with the uh, award season. I'm oh, sure there will be something coming their way. Um, so. Ed, recently you worked with um, Brian Brown and Greta Scacchi. What was that experience like? Oh, that experience was amazing. An adventure
1: is what I would say. It was, <laughs> it was um, it's a road trip TV series where... Um, um, Greta and Brian's characters meet on the road. They're both <clears throat> travelling, um, and they sort of join forces. It's it's, it's, a, it's a sort of romance, um, but they join forces <clears throat> and travel around little country towns in Queensland solving a little mystery or a murder in every town. So it's a very gorgeous premise. And when I heard that Greta and Brian were doing it, I was like, this is a pinch me kind of moment to work with
0: actors of that calibre. You're talking about, you know, actors not needing much direction when they're that good. I'm sure those two, that would have been an easy uh, scene to, to film or an easy mo- movie, would it be movie or TV? No, it's TV
1: series. So yeah. It's a eight part TV series that's on Acorn at the moment, which is a streaming platform. Right. But you know, I wouldn't say it was easy because, you know, they are not old, but they're not young either. And, right. you know, they are both, they're actually movie stars. Yeah. You know, and then they, they you know, of course they've both done TV as well, but this was, Kind of TV where they're in every scene and um I got I was block three so I was doing episodes um five and six. Right. They were tired, they were exhausted. The first thing Greta said to me on day one was, Oh Myri, it's so unfair. I have to get up one and a half hours earlier than Brian, so I can sit in the makeup chair. What's so unfair? Why do they do his makeup in five minutes and it takes them an hour and a half to do? <laughs> <laughs> Way of the world. It's like, and you know, we we do that to 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 actors, but our actresses. Um, but she was just uh, both of them. They were both exhausted and <sighs> troopers, but they needed they needed my help. You know, yeah. And I, that's that's how I you know I was asked that question recently. How do you direct? actors like that and it's like well how can I help you how can I help you um through this scene through um the day um you know uh, and it wasn't it wasn't easy at all but it was wonderful because they're they're you know they're both wonderful human beings as well so just just sit and hear the stories is
0: oh is- god really great. Yeah, I can imagine.
1: Yeah, it was a very hard show and I I you know hats off to the producers because they, you know, we didn't have studio. Like most TV shows have got a studio component. So if it rains, you can go and shoot in the studio mm-hmm. and have the comfort of a studio air conditioning and you know places where people can actors can relax and you know yeah, so just easier spaces to work in rather than out on location. Mm. But we were out on location the whole time. Where were you filming? All around the Gold Coast. Ah, we had to make you know we had a twenty-kilometer radius from the production office where we had to find all of our locations or most of them. Um, As part, that was part of the 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 budget. It was it was a tight budget. I I couldn't tell you what it was, but I know that it was tight. And I think they, you know, they the producers have managed to pull off something you know quite remarkable for the money. But it meant that we worked hard. We worked hard to get it done. Mm. You know, quite schedule, um, a lot of minutes, you know, per day to shoot. Because they're
0: long, they're long days, aren't they? I mean, you start early and finish late, I would guess.
1: Yeah, they're 10 hour days. And then, you know, as director, I'm going home and prepping for the next day. Ugh. So it's exhausting. You don't do anything else except. You know, you that's it's that's all you're doing. And then if you're not prepping
0: or shooting, you're sleeping or eating. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's incredibly tiring for sure. Um, how does uh, how do they approach you for a project like that?
1: Yeah, I, I'm still working that out so that I get approached more often. <laughs> Um, that one I was lucky enough to be recommended by um, my, the DOP of um, the second. Uh-huh. He's a very, very, very busy cinematographer, you know, he sort of dipped out of his big career to come and do the second with me, which, which I was very lucky. Um, and he, he's doing Voice Allers Universe at the moment. He just came off La Brea. So he's 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 working. So he, he knows everyone. Mm. He recommended me. Um, so I'm still finding my feet in the television sort of area because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I really I did Harrow straight out after the second, which was a, a TV series um, shot up here in Brisbane, um, and that was that was my break into TV. But then COVID hit, and mm. was like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah, uh, it's not the time to get on a plane and go meet. Go meet okay. people and 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 um uh yeah pu- push that but but I suppose so I suppose that's where I'm at now we've I've done Dubby and Joan and now I'm ready to to um yeah go find some more TV that so
0: mean- I do, actually I do have a show coming up in in Sydney next year oh well, can you tell us about that no we're not talking about that yet okay
1: very exciting. <laughs> very exciting
0: yeah that's fantastic but you also have a project that you're working on which is a another movie can you talk about that
1: yes the secret lives of dresses and you know just going back to an earlier question how you know how how, how to how long does it take and how you know getting projects up this yeah one has been in development for over 10 years holy cow no holy cow it doesn't mean you're working on it every day but it's you know it's has moments of slog you know where you've got a little bit of of funding to develop the next draft. It's had a lot of development money from um, various funding agencies. Um, and it's but it's but it's ready to go. We've got our shooting draft and we've got um it's out to some very, very big name actors at
0: the moment. Um so we're sort of crossing everything and hoping that 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 we might get um I know of names that are being flicked around, which I won't mention. But I'm, am f- sending out all the positive energy into the universe that one in particular is is chosen or chooses to join your amazing film because I think it would be incredible. Yes. So
1: no, it's a very it would be, and we need we need names because it is a bigger it's a bigger film. This is my, you know, finally sort of come back to the to the sort of I'm now pitching the big film. The big film that it's not the same film that I pitched in Cannes, but it's it's a big film, and um I think it needed ten years to get the script right. And I think sometimes scripts, you know, work. This is an adaptation from an American novel, and it's just been a really a really big journey getting it getting it right.
0: It's and this is a film of- that you would um, shoot in Australia.
1: We would we would be shooting in Melbourne and Dalesford. And around Dalesford in down in Victoria, which is just outside of Melbourne. So yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, next- when
0: when that's up and running, feel free to reach out to me to do the catering. On set <laughs> catering. Yes. Yes, I will. <laughs> um, in in this podcast as a, a yacht chef, we obviously talk about food and travel. Um, I know I I suggested this question to you. Before we started the podcast, on if you were having a dinner party, who would your dream guests be at that dinner, either living or dead? And have you had any chance to think about that?
1: A little think about it, and I and I dreamed up a perfect dinner party with my sister. Actually, ah. I talking to her about this question and thinking, well, oh, who are all these amazing people that we love, like artists um, or, or writers, and. And and I said, you know, you know who I'd invite? I'd invite my nana who 10 years ago or less than 10 years ago um, went out very suddenly. She fell down the back stairs of her house. And it Ugh. was very, very sad, but in a way I sort of thought it was pretty amazing because she just had a cancer di- diagnosis at 93 and she was about to start some kind of treatment. And I thought, good on you, nana. You're going, you know, you're just you're going out. Bang. Yeah. Which- Suddenly gone. She's been such an important part of my life, and I thought, you know, the only thing about that is that you don't get to to sit with them and say goodbye. And um, not
0: that I've sat with anyone who's died, but
1: you know, there's there's yeah, you know, there is have, a, a. I know what you
0: mean. There's there's a there's a nice closure to that situation for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I my first dinner guest is my nana, um, and then I thought, well, I have to have my mum and my sister. Yes. Um, And then my sister and I dreamed up this idea that maybe we could have Nana's mum and her mum. Wow. Her mum and her mum. So we have, you know, eight generations of women um, at the one dinner table, all bringing, and it's a potluck dinner, so everyone brings their
0: best dish, whatever they cooked. um, And... Wouldn't that be amazing? Mari, that is the most beautifully original response to that question I think I've ever had. That is incredible.
1: Well, I've got my sister to thank. We riff well off each other (laughs) Um, for the past few months on and off. So we've done a lot of riffing on things. Um, But, yes. I I think
0: that's an excellent choice, definitely. Now, um, I'm sure you've travelled where well, you mentioned earlier that you've done some travelling overseas. But have you ever had any dining experiences that stand out to you either here locally in Australia or overseas somewhere?
1: I have had many. Um, but I immediately think about my time in Japan, which it was, it was it was just before COVID, so it was the end of 2019 and um, spent Christmas and New Year over there. And it wasn't it wasn't one particular meal, it was every single meal. And I think wow. that's what I loved about it. It was, you know, even, I mean this sounds terrible, even going to the 7-Eleven and getting a donut She's like, oh this is the, <laughs> this <is> my life. <laughs> was, but yeah, I would have, I would, you know, I'd finish a meal and it was basically an eating tour. Yes. Um, finish a meal and be sort of
0: Excited about getting hungry again. It's like,
1: can't wait to get hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, Japan is an incredible place for food. That's for sure. It, I mean, it, it's just so visually stimulating, as well as obviously the flavors and the taste, And the, the diversity of it.
1: Yes, you know, I think you know, you, yes, your tonkatsu, and then your, you know, sashimi, and then your. Those you just eat. You just yeah.
0: I mean, such a different different mix of amazing food. Absolutely. Now, I know you, you had a bit of a, a, a semi-big night last night. Are you the kind of person that likes to go to the fast food um, the day after a, a bit of a big night? And if, if so, what, what would be your go-to fast food? I, I, I When you ask fast food,
1: I do think of hangover. <laughs> I have a, a bit of a go-to, although I'm not sure you'd call it fast food, but there's something about... Sichuan and Chinese, you know, old school Chinese. Uh, so to me, it's like a hangover is cured by a big bowl of mapu tofu and fried rice.
0: Yum. Yes. And that does it for me. Um, yeah. I I, I am so basic with mine. Mine is just bacon and egg McMuffin. <laughs> This morning. <laughs> oh, really?
1: <laughs> Not and McMuffin that are from the local little little um, grocery store
0: down the road, that I've now discovered it does the trick. Yes, but I needed bacon and eggs this morning. Yes, yeah. I don't know what it is about the grease part of that, but it it does. It's it's a good feeling for for comfort food or hangover food. Mostly barbecue sauce, the the bread to soak up all the grease. Oh yeah, definitely. Now. I know you've, you've mentioned that you've done a little bit of traveling, but there's obviously a lot of places that you haven't been to. Are there three that you can think of that are on the list?
1: There's so many. I don't even know where to start, and I really haven't done as much traveling as I would have liked. Where do I want to go?
0: Have you um, traveled much through Central or South America? or? Um, um, I've only done South America once, uh-huh. Argentina,
1: Buenos Aires and it was you know it was amazing I loved it but did have a rather negative experience of being um my, like well I was robbed at knife point so oh I, god yeah, it was it was pretty bad I was dragged up a street with a knife at my throat oh my and god you know, okay I worked out that that it was a negotiation I had to give them my bag I was just in real panic so I just didn't know what to do but um, once I got my back off my shoulder, it was all right, and I ran away. But yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's a, one of those experiences that does um, stay with you and becomes you know part of who you are. Yes, absolutely. There, there, but I did love Buenos Aires. I loved the crumbling architecture and the you know the the yeah just a be- beautiful city um, full of history. Mm.
0: And we stayed in a really fabulous hotel. The wow. F- I haven't done much of, it's funny, I've obviously been working very close to that region, but I've yet to experience that part of the world. It should be on the list.
1: Yes, I think it, it definitely is on the list for me to go back to South America. Um, it'll be something I'll have to conquer that fear of it now, which is it's ridiculous because you can be mugged anywhere.
0: Yeah, but I totally understand what you're saying. Once that happens, you it, it just changes your mind on travelling in general. You're a bit more hyper aware of your surroundings.
1: Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous in back streets now because it was a back street. Right, middle of the day, but it's yeah. So yeah, but um, look, there's so much of Europe I still need to see. There's so, I haven't been to. I think actually India is. Ah. Uh, always really really wanted to, do, to 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 travel to yes many of my friends um have spent you know months and months and months um in india and you know it's transformed their lives and yeah i i feel like india's somewhere really immersive and i could i i i do i do
0: do want to do that at some point and i, I love indian you love indian food Um, yeah (laughs) then it's definitely a a good place to go to but make sure you take um tummy medication
1: yes
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) now this is a question that i pose to every guest that i have on my show and that is um if you've won the lottery money's no object you can be on any luxury super yacht with helicopters on top and huge crews would you like to be on a, um, a motor yacht or a sail classic sailing yacht? And if so, what type of boat and what destination in the world? Yeah. Well, I can't really talk yacht. I can't. I can't <laughs>
1: sail. Um, and I think it would have a crew because I don't. I did grow up in a sailing family, actually. My mother was a big sailor. And oh, wow. Which- 10 years ago was taking me out on her little, very little yacht on Moreton Bay. And she's, you know, there she is, 70 years old, you know, doing it all Well, I'm, she's like, darling, you go up the front and have a champagne. And I'm, it's,
0: <laughs> she's going to single-handedly sail the boat while you just relax.
1: Yes, yes. But I'm sort of a little bit terrified of it. So I'm happy to have some champagne up the front. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've also been in the scary storms, you know, in little yachts where it's yes. like I don't know whether I'm ever going to make it out of this. But, um, but yeah, I think a, a larger yacht than my mother's and <laughs> sail on a crew. And, um, yeah, a chef would be nice. And I would like to sort of sail around. I know it's a cliche, but I just love the Cote d'Azur and the Mediterranean. And, this, you know, I've spent quite a lot of time in the south of France and I love it. I love the the, the rocky, you know, the rocky um outcrops out with the neroli trees and the smell of it and the air there's something about the air yes i know it's very bougie and and, and you know but the hotel de cap have you been to the hotel de cap
0: yeah i, I worked in uh, out of the south of france for five years on super yachts so yes i do know exactly what you're talking about it's very beautiful it's just so
1: beautiful so i think i love that idea of just you know yeah popping into to, to places like that
0: I, I think you've chosen very well. <laughs> I can visualize you right now with your scarf wrapped around and your big um, onassis glasses on yes, looking yes. very chic and fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> now Mari, um, if people want to learn more about you or follow you on social media, how what, what where can they go? Yeah, well, I'm not really good at all of that, but
1: I do have a website, right. At- it's myricamerondirector.com
0: Uh huh. So that's probably the best, the best way. Yeah. Well, that, they, that's more. And that's also, they need to, if they're in Australia, they certainly need to go and look at um the movie the second, which is on Stan. What, what else can they go to to see your work? So Darby and Joan is
1: on Acorn. TV. Yes. Um, and I'm trying to think where Harrow is at the moment might be on iView. Oh, okay. That's that's easy to get to. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the second is kind of my baby. You know, the, when you're a a t- as a TV director, it's it's um very much a producer's vision and you're very much just helping to bring that vision to life. So yeah, the second is
0: what I'd love people to, to go and have a look at and i can definitely attest to the, the fact that it's well worth watching it's a really good film and a great storyline and I'm incredibly directed i have to say oh, thank you <laughs> mari i know that you've had a, a very busy day yesterday and i'm I, I know you've got a very busy day today so i'm extremely grateful that you've squeezed me into your schedule um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I know everybody is just going to be blown away by everything you've done so far. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. Oh, thank you, Lisa. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for asking me. Oh, you're welcome. Have <laughs> a have a all spe- the best with your coming adventures. <laughs> yes, yes. Off to the Caribbean. Pirates oh, of the Caribbean. How terrible. terrible. <laughs> have a fabulous day. And I'm sure we'll catch up down the road. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you so much. No problems, Lisa. Bye. Bye. Before I go, if you'd like to hear more information on today's podcast or you have any questions at all for me, you can contact me at my website, lisamead.com, L-I-S-A-M-E-A-D.com. Don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can even follow me at Chef Lisa Mead on Instagram. Until next time, I'm Chef Lee Mead and you've been listening to Tales of a Luxury Yacht Chef.